Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. And um, ladies, listen. <laughs> if this particular text has been offensive to you, you have not heard it taught properly. Amen. We're not going to shy away from it. We're not going to force an interpretation into it. We're going to let it speak for itself because the entirety of God's word is truth. Amen? Amen. So here we go this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll look at verses 22 through 24. Now, a couple of things as we begin and get back into Ephesians. We need to remember that the, uh, Paul or the subject that Paul was speaking about or addressing has shifted from the doctrines of the church to the duties of the church or from the standards for every church to apply and teach to the duties of every Christian in every age. Listen, there are no new doctrines. There's only the apostolic doctrines of the word of God. There are no doctrines that have become obsolete. There is nothing that has been replaced by cultural sensitivities either. And no church is exempt from teaching biblical doctrines. And those who don't teach biblical doctrines are not the church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Now, secondly, the duties of the Christian are all-inclusive and immutable, meaning they are unchanging. Now, Paul has been talking about the fact that we all have gifts and they are distinct from one another, but the common feature among them all is that we are to use them. Whatever gift you have, you are to use it for God's glory and the benefit and blessing of the church. Amen? Amen. Now, Paul has already told us this back in chapter 5 uh, in 15 to 21, our previous verses from a month or so ago. See then that you walk how? Circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or unsavedness, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming soon, by the way. Amen. Submitting to one another, how? In the fear of God. Now, within the duties of the Christian faith is walking or living circumspectly, which means exactly, exactly according to how the Bible has described the Christian life, believing what the Bible says we ought to believe, doing what the Bible says we ought to do. Now, last time I made mention that any time you talk about the need for repentance as the result of salvation, somebody is going to cry foul and say, you're preaching works righteousness, and I got the emails. It's got nothing to do. Holiness has nothing to do with works righteousness. We are to be holy in all of our conduct. Amen? Amen. Why? Because God is holy. Because it is written, if you remember our PowerPoint study uh, last time. Now... Paul adds that submitting to one another in the fear of God is to be on top of not being drunk, but instead being filled with the Spirit, which will impact how we speak to one another. And it creates in us a sense of gratefulness for all that we have received from the Father through the matchless gift of His Son. This is all packaged within walking or living by 
the fear of the Lord. Now, this submitting to one another opens a new section in the letter to the church at Ephesus, or the handbook of the Christian faith, as it's been referred to. Now, this section has been referred to as the Hustafilm, and it means house tables. It's a German word, obviously, and it's a social code that addresses relationships within the Christian household. And we are entering into a section. Now, our verses today are not the whole section. There's another section behind it and another section behind it, and it lasts all the way until the end of the epistle. Now, the implication is that there are things that should be considered the rules of the house in every Christian house. And that tells us that Christian doctrine and duties are not limited to our behavior at the church because we are are the church everywhere we go. And therefore, wherever we are, we are to walk exactly as the scripture prescribes, including at home, including as a wife or husband, including as a parent or child, including as a boss or employee. And these are the subjects that are covered in this particular section. And then Paul closes with the fact that because we are in spiritual warfare, we need to put on the whole armor of God in order to do these things. Now, these three house relationships and the spiritual warfare we're engaged in are going to encompass Paul's subject for the balance of this epistle. Now, all of these things are to be addressed and acted on by the power of the Holy Spirit in the fear of God. Now, I have to say I'm thankful for this section of Scripture, including the three verses we'll read today that have created much angst, not just in our generation, but in all before it. And the reason I am thankful for these verses and that we're here today is we can clean up some messes. We can clear up some misperceptions and we can redirect some misapplications. And Paul is going to personalize walking exactly as he addresses wives, then he addresses husbands, then he addresses children, then he addresses parenting or fathers, then bond servants and masters or employees and employers. And he will close this handbook of the Christian faith by calling us to stand strong, which is only possible by putting on the whole armor of God. So Paul is going to move from general application to specific application, and he is going to begin with, and here's our title this morning, a word to the wives. A word to the wives. Now, this is not just a spin on the familiar adage, a word to the wise, but it's also a literal summary of this section because Paul says to the wives one word, and it's every wife's uh, favorite word. What is it? Submit. That's the one word summary of this whole section. But then Paul qualifies that by the phrase, to your own husbands. And since the subject has some incendiary potential, I think we'll just skip it and move on to something else. No, we want to know what the Bible says, right? We want to know what is true. And Paul says in verse 21, to submit to one another in the fear of God. Now that pairs the action with the reason, and that's what we're going to do here this morning. He then says, wives, submit to your own husbands, children, submit to your parents, servants, or children, obey your parents, servants, obey your master. Now, the first thing I want to point out before we jump in is that the word submit is not in verse 22 in the Greek text. It was introduced in verse 21, and therefore by implication, it does belong 
in verse 22, though it is not there. Now, here's why we need to pause before we begin. The word translated submit, as it relates to wives, is different than the word translated obey, as it relates to children and employees. Now, they share the same prefix, which is hippo, meaning to come under or be subject to. The suffix is tasso, the Greek term hippotasso, which means to arrange in an orderly manner. That's what submit means. The word translated as obey is written to children and servants mean to conform to the commands, or in other words, do what you're told. Now, I want to point that out because some have mistaken the word submit to mean wives, do what you're told like a child or a servant. That's not what it means. Hello? That's not what it means. And listen, that is not how a wife is to be treated. All right, now, come on. That's not how a wife is to be treated. The wife does not have the same relationship with her husband as do a parent with their child or a master with a servant or uh, obviously an employee and employer. Now, so what exactly does it mean to submit? Well, let's find out what walking exactly in our marriage, homes, and workplaces means through what this passage actually says and how it should be applied in every Christian home. Now, we have a rule that I think a lot of guys have forgotten that needs to be reinstituted today, and that is ladies first. So we're going to start with the ladies first. Are you ready? Stand and read with me, please, a word to the wives from Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this morning, especially, Lord, to do battle with some of the things that have been taught uh, improperly regarding these verses. And we pray for clarity. I pray for ears to hear what your spirit is saying and hearts to receive your word this morning from both the males and females in this room. And we thank you that by your design, we are different and will always be different. So teach us what our roles and responsibilities are in these coming weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, how many of your Bibles say here that men are more important than women? How many of your Bibles say men are better and smarter than women? How many of them say all women should submit to all men because they're inferior creatures? None of your Bibles say that, right? So don't read it that way. That's not what it says. That's not what it means. Now, remember, the word submit in verse 22 is not in the Greek manuscripts. But again, as I said, it is implied. And if we read this directly from the Greek, here's what it would say. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives to your own husbands. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives to your own husbands. Now, what Paul is doing is establishing God's structure in the home and that a wife is to submit to her own husband. Now, submission is not servitude, and submission is not inferiority. And in 1 Peter 3, 7, we find this established where Peter says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving what? Honor, Honor to the wife 
As to the weaker vessel, that speaks of physical capability, not mental capacity or anything else. And as being heirs, what's the next word? Together. Heirs together of equal status of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, husbands and wives are heirs together of the grace of life. And Paul says, in the Christian home, in the fear of God, wives come under God's arrangement for the home. Now, I have to say, I approach my study time, which I always look forward to, but this week I approached it with a bit of trepidation. I was afraid of what I was going to read because there had been so much abuse and misinterpretation of these verses, but I actually was greatly blessed by what I had encountered and relieved as well. All the commentators that I read said the same thing. There's one in particular that gives a good summary of how they approach these three verses, and it goes like this. Husbands are to serve their wives with a heart attitude of sacrificial love like that of Jesus for the church. The wife is not to show blind submission or indiscriminately obey just anything a capricious husband demands. When a husband abuses the wife or demands from her actions that go against the will of God, the wife must not submit. That's a summary of what Paul is saying here. And he would say the same to the church at Colossae in 3.18, where he says, Wives, submit to all men. Submit to who? Your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. So when your husband asks you to do something that's not fitting in the Lord, you don't do it. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul is saying. And again, this statement is not about inferiority. It's not about value. It's not about ability. It's not about anything else. It's about how God has structured the home in a way that is a reflection of the church's submission to the headship of Christ. And the husband's actions reflects Christ's love for the church in how he loves his wife. And that's what we'll talk about next week for all the men who are coming back. Promise? Now... The husband is the head of the wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church. And the Lord is the savior of the body. Now, why this is important to understand is because the implication is that the husband has the divine responsibility to defend, protect, and provide for his wife just like Christ did for the church and does for the church. And the wife is to submit to that. That's how God has arranged the home when he's called the wife to let her husband be her protector, to be her provider, and for him to be her defender. It doesn't mean that she's less than him in any way. <laughs> that was kind of weak. doesn't mean that she's less than him in any way. God has simply given a word to the wives that this is how he has structured the home for the man to be the head and the wife to come under his care and protection. And the phrase, as to the Lord, in verse 22, doesn't mean submit to your husband the same way you submit to the Lord. And do you know why we know that? Because the Lord is never wrong. I'll let that hang there for a minute. The Lord is never wrong, but I remember that time I was wrong as a husband. Times, I should say, plural. Men can make mistakes. Jesus never does. So the submission to the two are different. Now, here's our first word to the wives to correct some of the negativity surrounding the word to the wives, that being submit. Listen this morning. Let's clean this up. 
Submission is part of the Christian life, not just being a Christian wife. Submission is part of the Christian life, not just being a Christian wife. I thought I'd rhyme it up a little bit, so maybe you could remember it. Now, I think we need to start here because of all the negative associations with wives submit to your own husbands. God has established this plan for the home as a reflection of his son and his son's bride's relationship. Now, we submit to one another in the fear of God. Amen? This is how God has arranged the Christian life. After all, think about it. The son submitted to the father. The church submits to the son. The wife to the husband. The children to the parents. The servant to the master. And this is a section on Christian duty. It's not just one subject. It's how God has structured life for the Christian on earth. Now, in 1 Corinthians 16, 15 and 16, Paul says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also, what? Submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger people, next word, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be what? Submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in 2, 13 to 17, Peter says, Therefore... Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors or as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not living, uh, using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, Submission to the arrangement of God is not something that is strictly related to being a Christian wife. Husbands have to submit to the Lord. Saints need to submit to those devoted to ministry. Young people have to submit to elders. And all of us submit to the ordinance of human government. Now, there are times to stand against it. Amen. When they want to violate the word of God, we don't go there. We do not do things. We do not allow for things. We stand against things that are a violation of the ordinances of God, and they seem to be bountiful in recent days. Now, this is important to establish because it removes the argument that wives submit to your husbands as some type of misogynistic belittling of women. Everybody has to submit, especially to the one who is greater than us all. It is the arrangement of God that, uh, that he has established between a wife and her own husband. Not all men, her own husband. Not between women and all men. And submission to another is not something exclusive to being a Christian wife. And next Paul says the husband is the head of the wife. Now, this is important to understand because it has been misinterpreted as well. Now, the word translated as head means the part most readily taken hold of. And it indicates a place of responsibility, and it must be interpreted through the lens of the illustration given, and that is through Christ being the head of the church. It can't be seen through any other lens. 
And in Colossians 1.18, we're told, He, Jesus, is the head of the body, which is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And in Colossians 2.18 and 19, we're told, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from who? That is from God. This is how the headship of Christ over the church is described. Now, preeminence means to hold the first place. Now, some men seem to think it means to come in first place, but we are to put our wives first as men, as husbands. Come on, I want to hear some testosterone out there. Come on. We are to put our wives first. Amen. In order for us to be the part, or because we are the part most readily taken hold of, we are the one who is responsible for those under our care. And we are to hold fast to the head from whom the body is nourished and knit together and therefore grows. Christ is the head of the church. And as the head of the church, he strengthens and he builds up. He watches over and he maintains. He sustains and he protects. And everything the head of the church does is for the good of the bride. And that is to be true of every Christian husband as well. Now, this is modeled by the arrangement of the Christian home, and it cannot be looked at through the lens of a, a phrase or a term my wife has coined, uh, through the lens of the fominist. They're not feminists. They are F-A-U-X, fominists. They're phony feminists that we have today, as my wife likes to call them. You know, they're not really feminists because they're actually working to eliminate being feminine. They're trying to make women more like men, and they have no clue what a wonderful arrangement and design God has for the home. Submission is never to be interpreted in a way which contradicts the basic attitudes and actions of Jesus in relation to his church. Are you here this morning? No. The headship of Christ in Ephesians is not presented from a sovereignty perspective, though Jesus, being God, is sovereign, but rather it's presented from the atonement perspective. Christ in his sacrificial love is how he is presented to us in Ephesians. And one reason our world is in the state that it is in today is because people have lost the ability to distinguish between roles and human value. As a human, does a general have more value than a private? Does an admiral have more value than a seaman recruit? The role might define responsibilities, but it does not determine the value of the person. And one commentator said this, and I thought it a good statement. He said, equality of worth is not identity of role. Equality of worth is not identity of role. Are there generals and admirals who are jerks? Are there privates and seamen recruits who are jerks? And every rank in between, there are jerks among them, right? So the role does not determine or dictate the value of the individual. And wives, listen today. God did not assign you an inferior role. He's assigned you a specific role based on his design of women. And he is the one who made us all. Amen. Amen. And in Genesis 2, 18 to 24, the Lord God said, 
It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper less than him, but likable. I will make him a helper, what? Comparable. Of him, or to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper, next word, comparable, comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Some have argued he never woke up, but that's not true. <laughs> and he slept. And he took one of the ribs, which contained the shopping gene, and closed it up. <laughs> Just go to the mall and look at the expressions on husbands and wives and their, and their faces, and you'll see that's true. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He brought her to the man, and Adam said, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. flesh. I hope we understand the significance of that statement and what marriage brings. It brings about the restoration of the completeness of humanity when a couple is married. She was taken from man, right? So that means man's got some stuff missing, right? I mean, come on. It's just common sense. She was taken out of man. So man's got some stuff missing. So when God joins them two, the two together, that oneness is his initial creation presented once again. And marriage is not to be demeaned or diminished in any sense or form in any age of history. Now, the word comparable means many things, but in this context, it means parallel to, in the sense of being uh, equal, yet opposite of. Now, Here's a second word to the wives this morning. Listen, men pay attention to, just because I say wives, that doesn't mean you can't listen. <clears throat> to demean and devalue women is never of the Lord. Right. To demean and devalue women is never of the Lord. Think about all the women that Jesus surrounded himself with. Now, here's something that really struck me yesterday. Jesus handpicked a group of women, but all the women that hung around Jesus picked him. He picked a group of men, but the women picked Jesus. Peter never came and wept on Jesus' feet and dried them with his hair. John never broke an alabaster flask of oil and anointed Jesus' feet and kissed them continually. James wasn't at the tomb early in the morning on the first day of the week after Jesus was crucified, but women were. And that tells me I don't think any of them had a problem with Jesus' position on the role of women. Why? Because he never demeaned or devalued them. And Luke tells us in 8, 1 to 3, it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. substance. You see, Jesus didn't see women as inferior beings. After all, he made them in parallel to the man he created. Demeaning and, listen close, demeaning and devaluing women is always of the devil. If it's not of the Lord, it has to be from another source. And that's who? Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. 
So if it's not of the Lord, it has to be of the, the devil. It is always of the devil. So therefore, ladies, submit to your husbands cannot be demeaning and cannot be devaluing of women. Because Jesus doesn't do that. And lastly, in verse 24, Paul says, as the church is subject to Christ in, come on, say it, everything, everything, let women be subject to their own husbands in everything. Now, if the husband's headship of the wife resembles Christ of his church, then the wife's submission to the husband is going to resemble the church's submission to Christ. And there's nothing shameful about this. For her uh, submission is not to be an unthinking obedience to her husband's rule, but rather a grateful and loving acceptance of his care and protection. A Swiss theologian named Marcus Barth said this, The submission to and respect for the husband to which a wife is specifically admonished in verse 33 is by no means the submissiveness of a cat or a cowering dog. Paul is referring to a voluntary, free, joyful, and thankful partnership as the analogy of the relationship of the church to Christ shows. Whenever the husband's headship mirrors the headship of Christ, then the wife's submission to the protection and provision of his love, far from detracting from her womanhood, will positively enrich it. So, Paul is not, listen, Paul is not saying, wives, do everything your husband says because your opinion and input doesn't matter. Some seem to have translated, submit to your husbands as that. But he is rather reminding wives that the headship of the husband and the submission of the wife are objective, not subjective. And that's why he used the word everything. He's saying, you know, this isn't just something that you can pick and choose areas where uh, God's arrangement for the home is to be adhered to or acknowledged. He said this is the structure of the home in every home and in every area of the home. In other words, there's a divine structure within marriage and neither party can decide what areas of life they are applicable to and which are not. They are the roles that God has assigned to husbands and wives. Now listen, since devaluing and demeaning is never of the Lord, that can't be what this means. And the two theological views regarding men and women are categorized as egalitarian, that men and women are equal in every way, and complementarian. And that is the belief that men and women are designed by God with different yet complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. Now, there are elements of truth in both of those, but the actuality is men and women are of equal value before the Lord. Right? We are absolutely of equal value before the Lord. However, our roles in life don't determine our value, and we have to keep that in mind. One is not better than the other because male and female, God created them. He is the creator of us both. Amen? Amen. They're different from one another. And boy, am I glad for that. (laughs) Amen? Amen. I was just thinking this morning, you know, this has happened. I've shared this with you before, and it just happened again the other day. It happened at every conference we went to. You know, people come up to my wife, and i got to say, she's beautiful. I have no question about that. But people come up and tell her, oh, man, you're alpha. you look great. Or they tell me, your wife is beautiful. 
And we've been at the mall and some woman will stop my wife and say, oh, I love your shoes or I love your outfit. And there's this camaraderie that is immediately established. But I got to tell you, some dude walks up to me and says, you're looking good today. I'm going to say back up, Barbie. <laughs> we are different, amen. We are different by God's design. And listen, these things are necessary for marriage to be and family to be all that God has intended it to be. Women and men share the same spiritual gifts, but they have different responsibilities to the application of those gifts within the church. They have different physical abilities, different physiological makeup, and God has designed it that way, so it can't be wrong. And in 1 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. There's that submission applies to all of us. The head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 11.8-12. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. And we're not going to go into that because that would be a whole sermon. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of a woman, nor woman independent of a man in the Lord. For as a woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things, say all things. All things things are from God. Now the context and reason for Paul writing this was the blurring of gender roles in Corinth. And what Paul is saying is that the roles of husbands and wives are universally valid and not culturally limited. In other words, they can never become irrelevant or obsolete because they are from God. Now, here's our last word to the wives for today. But I want to broaden this out to include all women because all these things are things you all need to know. All the men need to know. Amen. Amen. Now, here's the last of our considerations. Listen this morning. Do not allow cultural pressures to rob you of the beauty and majesty of being a woman. Do not allow cultural pressures to rob you of the beauty and majesty of being a woman. Today's fulminous culture reads Ephesians 5 and says, how demeaning. The Christian woman says, God does not demean and devalue women ever. Just look at Jesus. The fulminous say today, women can do anything that a man can do. Biology says that's not true. Just as man can't do everything that women can do. The fulminists today say being a stay-at-home mom or simply not having a career is belittling to women. God's women say, my identity is in Christ, not a career. Don't let a group who believe men can have babies tell you what a woman is. Don't let a group who are promoting biological males competing in women's sports tell you how you ought to think and how you ought to live. Don't let a group who champions killing babies in the womb, half of which are little women, define for you what is right and what is wrong. Now, Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. There's the theme continually throughout Scripture. It is a husband-wife relationship that is in view, and it is the husband-wife-Christian relationship that is in view. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Fear of God, obviously. Not fear of your husband. Fear of God. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, 
arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, now listen close, in former times or in the past, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. And then the example is given as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And again, wives be submissive to your own husbands, not to all men. Peter says, do not let your adornment be merely out, outward. How many are thankful for the word merely? Amen. Amen. Don't let it be merely outward. He's not saying, hey, women shouldn't wear makeup. Women shouldn't wear nice clothes. He's not saying that. He said, don't stop there. As a matter of fact, the primary focus is on the hidden beauty, the incorruptible beauty, the beauty that age cannot diminish or change, and that being of a gentle and quiet spirit. And then he says, remembering that the giants of the faith like Sarah didn't have a problem with submitting to their husband. And submission is just part of the Christian life. It's not limited just to wives. So don't feel like this is robbing you of anything or demeaning or devaluing you because God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that to women. He doesn't do that to anybody. He's about exalting. He's about lifting up out of the mire. As a matter of fact, Jesus uh, was contrary to what the Jews believed and taught about women. I mean, the rabbis would pray, thank the Lord I wasn't born a Gentile or a woman. Jesus wasn't like that. The women surrounded him. They came to him. They picked him. They decided to be close to him. He was doing what life could never bring to them or offer to them. Think about that exchange. I just, I love that exchange that Jesus went out of his way. He took the long way to meet the woman at the well in uh, John chapter 4. And I love how that conversation goes. You know, Jesus said, go get your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right, you've had five. And you're living with some guy now. And remember what she went and told the people of the city? She went and told the men of the city, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Listen, that conversation wasn't that long. He didn't tell her everything she ever did. He told her everything she ever thought about. I've been with five guys. I'm living with somebody now. Something's just not right. So what did Jesus do? He said, you know what? I got water that you will never, ever thirst again if you drink it. And I'm offering it to you today. She was stunned by it. You, a Jew, are talking to me? What happened when his disciples came back after being sent into town to buy food? What did they do? They marveled that he was talking to a woman. And on top of that, it was a Samaritan woman whom the Jews despised. Did Jesus care about that? No, he didn't. And you know what? Culture isn't going to like us exalting women. Culture isn't going to like us using the biblical model to recognize the magnificence of them being created in the image and likeness of God like man. Actually, culture is trying to keep women down. Culture is not trying to lift women up. That's the business of Christ. That's what he does. Amen? And listen, submission, as we said, is just part of the Christian life. And our world today is trying to eliminate everything that God has ordained and has now arrived all the way back at the creation narrative when 
Genesis says male and female, he created them and through marriage made them one flesh. Now, I'm always politically sensitive and culturally correct, as you know. <laughs> but I'm going to break from that for just a moment. Anyone who thinks a man can become a woman because they want to is a nut. Not an instructor, not a counselor. They have no business teaching anybody because that's lunacy. And it's unscientific. And we're the ones that are often called unscientific when actually science backs up the creation narrative. Male, female, he created them. And that still stands today, amen? amen. So don't listen to the lunatic world. They're ruining the world with such thinking and teaching. And men, next week, you're up. <laughs> As we address the head. The part most readily taken hold of. Now, let me just say one thing. There's one word to the wives. And it's encompassed in three verses. There's nine verses to the men. God wants to talk to us guys. Amen? And he has a word of encouragement for us too. And listen, a lot of times these verses come up and men leave feeling beat down. Well, next week we're going to lift you up and make you realize who you really are. Amen. And what God has called you to be in him. Amen. Now, the reason I mentioned a moment ago that culture has now backed all the way up to the creation narrative in violating and diminishing the word of God is because that tells us one thing. Man cannot fall any further. They backed all the way up to in the beginning God. There's nowhere left to go after that. They've denied it all. So you know what that means? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? So ladies, don't let anybody rip you off. Don't let them tell you that the Bible is misogynistic. And we're going to talk in coming weeks too. I hear this stupid comment all the time. And Did I just say stupid? That was stupid of me. I shouldn't say stupid at church because it's stupid to say that. But the Bible doesn't promote slavery. No. Nope. The Bible just addresses slavery. There were 40 million slaves in the Roman Empire. So of course the Bible is going to say something about that relationship, the master bond servant or master doulos slavery relationship. Of course the Bible is going to say something about parenting. Of course the Bible is going to say something in detail and depth when it says that the husband is the head of the wife. That headship needs to be defined, and it needs to be defined clearly. Amen. So it can't be abused. Amen? Amen. Amen? And ladies, again, do not get ripped off by the fulminist movement today. They are not for you. They are against you. They are trying to destroy what God made you and fashioned you to be. And they're calling God a misogynist, anti-women. Is he that? I don't know. It seemed like the women were packing around Jesus pretty tight when he was walking this earth. Amen? Amen. The guys he had to go find. The women came to him. Let's keep that in mind moving forward. Amen? Amen. Father, again, we're grateful for your word this morning. And thank you for the chance to clear up some muck. And Lord, I pray that you would write thinking 
in both male and female minds uh, regarding this issue. And, and Lord, that men would see uh, their headship uh, as something to be feared and revered and, and sought to understand and not just as some type of brutal, I am the boss, you submit to me type of attitude. And Lord, I pray that the women not look at it like that either, but see it for the beautiful plan that it is, even a reflection of your relationship with your church. So Lord, we're grateful for our time together this morning. And Lord, we pray for our uh, county and our state and our country and our world. That's such a mess. And Lord, uh, yeah, we want to get out of here. We want you to come get us. And we make no bones about that. We pray today, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come today and get us, Lord Jesus, we pray. But Lord, help us not to just sit around and wait, but help us to be about the Father's business as you were, telling people about Jesus, giving them the hope that they're living without, Lord, through the message of the gospel. So help us to finish well, Lord, even with the church under such heavy attack as it has been all around the world and has now come to America. Help us, Lord, to stand fast, having done all to stand in these last days. Even with the things that culture dislikes about your word, help us to promote them as being a portion of the entirety of the truths of the word of God. So we thank you again for our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your love for men and women. And thank you for the roles you've assigned us for your name's sake and glory. And we give you praise and high honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. Okay, why are you laughing? <clears throat> and again, um, I just think that this is, uh, this is rather timely uh, in light of things going all around, all throughout uh, the church and the world today, that we need to stand in defense of the word of God. And not let people belittle us and diminish us, whether we're men or women. We are created in the image of God. And all he does is right. Amen? Amen.